Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. And verse 23, this is our faith series we've been teaching. We've just been going right along, moving right along with, with the teachings on faith, giving them little titles here and there and different titles. We'll call this the beginning of How Faith Works. How Faith Works. You're going to use the same scriptures, there's no question about it. But you're climbing up the mountain from a different side, from a different angle, getting another point of view. You see, if you climb up the mountain from one side, you, you can see the country on that side. But if you go around on the other side of the mountain, you get another view from the other side. And if you just keep on doing that, you can get many different views by climbing up the different angles of the mountain. And so we're talking about the subject of faith. And when you talk about the subject of faith, you're talking about the creative power of God. God is love. God is life. God is life. But God is a faith God. All that he does, he does by faith. God is a faith God. His creative power and ability is called faith. It is the expression or the release. Let's call it the release of. It's the release of his person. Life, light, and love being released. And that power that's released is called faith. It's released in word form. Here in Mark 11:23, Jesus after saying in verse 22, have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith. Now I know that, that the King James says, have faith in God. But don't be, you know, don't question other translations. The King James is a translation. The King James is not the literal Bible. You talk about some people and, and they just look at you like, you know, it's not. No, it's a translation. It is not, you know, the original Greek or the original Hebrew. But it's a translation. And so Mark 11, 22 says, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith or have the faith of God. And he talks about it by saying, Jesus is saying, For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to the mountain, this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not down in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, there's two things we need to note in this passage of Scripture. There's more than two that we could talk about, but we want to talk about two things this morning since we're talking about how faith works. Faith believes in the heart, number one. Faith confesses with the mouth, number two. You know, the Word of God in your heart and hearing the Word of God brings faith. We've talked about that already. But just because one builds a capacity for faith inside his spirit, that doesn't cause faith to grow. Faith does not grow just because you hear the Word. Faith comes by hearing the Word. It produces a capacity for faith. And our capacity to receive faith is enlarged as we hear the Word of God. The thing that causes faith to grow is our acting on our faith. Acting on your faith causes your faith to grow. Acting on unbelief breeds more unbelief. Acting on doubt breeds more doubt. Acting on fear causes fear to grow in one life, in one's life. Acting on faith, acting on the Word, causes your faith to grow. 
Faith will gain the ascendancy in your heart. Fear will lose its power. So we see here that faith believes in the heart and speaks with the mouth. Three times Jesus emphasized the word say. If you shall say to the mouth, not, not in your heart, but believe that those things you are saying will come to pass, you will have whatsoever you are saying. Three times he says, say, say, say. One time he says, dot not in your heart, or believe in your heart. The positive aspect of that is believe in the heart. So we can readily see then that the heart and the words. When we talk about the mouth and the tongue and the lips, we're talking about the words. You know, your lips will not speak without life from within. We've got to be able to speak something. Those things are words. The mouth releases the power that's in our spirit. The same way God releases his power of life, light, and love with words is the same way that we release power from our spirit with the same words. See, words are containers. They contain life and they contain death. There's power in words. If that were not so, then why in the world is this called the Word of God, and why should the Word always be in our mouth? This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that you may have it in your heart, is what he's saying. And when the Word is in your heart, and you speak it out of your mouth, it's called faith. But if fear is in your heart, and you're speaking words of fear, doubt, and unbelief, and acting upon it, then fear, doubt, and unbelief will gain control over your life, and you'll be snared by the words of your mouth. Okay, we, we understand that believing in the heart and confessing with the mouth is how faith works. It works for salvation. For he said, If thou shalt believe in thine heart and confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Also, we need to understand and know that if we're dealing with the heart and we're dealing with the mouth, then the heart part is the love part. The heart part is the love part, because faith worketh by love. How faith works. How does faith work? Well, Galatians 5, 6, what does it say? For in Christ Jesus circumcision or uncircumcision availeth anything, but faith with work, which worketh by love. The love part is the heart part. See? The heart part is the love part. There are two things we've got to deal with and contend with our heart and our words. Faith deals with the heart and with the mouth. Now there's two parts we have to deal with. Now the spirit or the heart of man has got to be developed in love. You say, what should I be meditating therein day and night? Well, the law of the Lord. What's the law of the Lord? Love. Under the old covenant it was the thou shalt not and the thou shalt. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not do this, thou shalt do this. That was the law under the old covenant. But under the new covenant, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. The heart or the spirit of man must be highly developed in love. Love is the expression of God. When God's love is developed in my heart and I begin to meditate his love and just, just dwell upon his love, then the spirit of man takes on the same power or same expression of God, God's person. It's love. He expresses himself with love. 
when the thoughts, the intents, and the purposes of my heart are highly developed in love, then the words that I will speak will be words of love. They'll be faith words. See, love coming forth out in word form producing faith. Now, not only do we need to understand that faith works by love, but turn with me to James, the second chapter. Faith deals with the heart and with the mouth. Faith works out of the heart in cooperation with our lips. See, our lips must have our hearts full agreement. Our lips must agree with our heart. I said this to you once before. There is a confession of your lips. There is a confession of your heart. When these two are in perfect harmony, one with another, one with the other, when the heart and the lips or the words agree, the confession of our heart, the confession of our lips, are in perfect harmony, both embracing the Word of God, then we become a powerful force for God in the earth. But, but when our hearts and our lips are in agreement to fears, doubts, and unbelief, then we, in the earth, become a target of the devil, whereby we are taken captive by the words of our mouth. That's what the uh, writer said in the book of Proverbs. Thou art snared by the words of thy mouth, thou art taken captive by the words of thy mouth. Notice, faith deals with the heart and deals with the mouth. Here in James, the second chapter, and we find James writing to believers. Do not neglect that fact. Don't turn away from the fact that James is writing to believers. He is writing to the brethren. My brethren, he says, throughout this, temp, this, this book. My brethren, he's writing to the believer. And he says to them, as the spirit, or as, as the body without the spirit is dead. This is verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead. James 2, James 2, 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Is it possible to have faith without works? Evidently it's so. How does faith work? It says faith has to work. What kind of works is he talking about? Well, let's back up for a little bit. Let's go to verse 14 and start there. What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? He's not talking about faith for salvation. They're already saved. He's talking about the works or the corresponding actions. As a matter of fact, it's, it would do you good to put down there corresponding actions, where the word works, where you see the word works. Have not works or have not corresponding actions. Have not corresponding actions. Can faith save him? Well, let me read you another translation. Weymouth says, What good is it, my brethren, if a man professes to have faith, and yet his actions do not correspond? What good is it if a man says or professes to have faith, but his actions do not correspond? His expression, the expression of himself, they don't line up. His expressions and his actions do not line up with the faith he claims to have. Now, love deals with the heart and the mouth and our actions, they correspond with the heart to cause or to perfect faith, to cause faith to be perfected. Let's put it that way. To cause your faith to be perfected. He goes on here and says, If a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, 
what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, I will show you my faith by my works. A person says he has faith, but he does no works. He has no corresponding action. He says, I believe that the Word of God is life and health unto all my flesh, but he does not attend to God's Word. He does not incline his ear to his sayings. He does not, he does, he lets the Word depart from before his eyes. He does not keep the Word in the midst of his heart, but he says, I believe the Word is health and medicine and life unto all my flesh. He says it, he says it with his mouth, but his actions do not correspond to what he's saying. He doesn't read the Word daily. He doesn't meditate it day and night. He doesn't keep it in his heart. He doesn't keep it before his eyes. He is saying he has faith, but his works deny his faith. You see what I'm saying? His words, he claims to have faith, but it's not in his heart. If it was in his heart, they would agree. They would correspond one with another. Well, let's go on. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without corresponding actions is dead? Yes, you can have faith, but if you don't have corresponding actions, your faith is dead. Your faith is no good. Was not Abraham our father justified by works? Let's put it this way. Was not Abraham our father justified by corresponding actions when he offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Again, I read to you from Moffat. You notice that his faith was cooperating with his actions, and by his actions his faith was perfected. You notice that his faith was corresponding with his actions, and by his actions his faith was perfected. Abraham, in this incident, was said to have displayed what is called perfect faith. Perfect faith. His actions corresponding to what he said and believed caused his faith to be perfected. Not only did he say it, but he acted upon what he was saying. Not only did he believe it in his heart, but he acted upon what he said he believed. And because of it, his corresponding actions caused his faith to be perfected, and that perfect faith meant there was no fear. Now, it's, it's very important that we understand exactly how this worked, which is why I want to show you that, go back to Genesis 22. If this is an incident in the Bible whereby a fellow actually used perfect faith and is given to us as an example of perfect faith or perfected faith, then I, I believe it's necessary that we understand exactly how it worked. It should complement the teaching, teachings of the Lord Jesus and the Apostle Paul. If it does not complement their teachings, then the Bible is out of order. It's out of line. We cannot build line upon line, precept upon precept, here little, there little, without the Word of God confirming from the Old to the New Testament the same teachings that we believe. Faith throughout all the Word of God is the same. It works the same way. The only thing is we have a better covenant established upon better promises, and we have a heart that's not filled with darkness, a heart that's filled with light, and the capacity to hold the very life and nature of God, the love of God, and to operate in the love of God, so that we should be able to use a far greater 
depth in faith in our lives than they did back then. Far greater. We should be far, far ahead of whatever great and wonderful things they did back there in that old covenant. Because your spirit, where faith works out of, has been born again with the life and the nature of God, filled with his love. All right? Remember, faith deals with the heart, with the heart man believing. Okay? That heart must be developed in love, because faith worketh by love. When love is developed in the heart, there's no problem getting it out of your mouth. So the meditation of our heart should be in love. Constantly meditate God's love for you. Matter of fact, let's say it like this. God's love for you. Meditate on God's love for you. Meditate on God's love for others. And begin to see others as God sees you. Don't just let that love be between you and Him. But you begin to see other people through the same eyes of love. And as you begin to do that, you'll be highly developed in His love. Your love for Him is one thing, yes. His love for you is one thing, yes. As you begin to see how much He loves you and you love Him, thank God for that. But you need to be able to see how much God loves that other person. And when you begin to see that other person through the same eyes of love, then that same compassion that's in his bosom will be manifest in yours. Right out of your spirit. And as you get developed in that kind of love, it'll cause you to do things for other people that you never thought you were capable of doing. Those people that you thought that were unlovely and un, you know, unable for you to love them, it'll cause God's life to just flow, pour out of you, that you'll have more love and show more love for those that treat you rotten. And be more concerned about those people that treat you bad and, and do terrible things to you. You won't have any envy or any strife or any division with these people. You'll have nothing but compassion flowing out of you towards them. That'll be the love of God operating right out of your spirit. As you meditate that, then your heart is perfect towards God. Then you use your faith, and your faith will be the same creative power and ability as God's. Let's start here in this passage of Scripture, verse 1, and let's find out how this fellow Abraham used what is called perfect faith. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him. Now the word that's used here for tempt uh, can be translated many different ways. Number one, tempt. Number two, test. Number three, adventure. Number four, assay. Number five, prove. And number six, try. Any one of those words could have been inserted. We study the old in the light of the new. James says, let no man say that he is tempted, tested, or tried to do evil by God. So in light of that scripture, I insert, this is my own convictions, if you have otherwise, that's between you and the Lord. I insert the word prove. It came to pass that God did prove Abraham. There's nothing wrong with God proving us. In the Garden of Eden, Adam had to be proved. He had the right to choose. He could have chosen life. He could have chosen death. God gave all to him, set it all before him, and said, Abraham, I mean, he said, Adam, choose. Life or death. But he would not allow him just to automatically have all that he had for him without proving him first. Abraham, or Adam, had to prove himself. Abraham who was the one who established the covenant in the earth, had to prove his faithfulness to God. And if you've never studied this, you're in for a treat. This is 
how faith works in perfection. You couldn't, you could not act upon God's word any, any better than what Abraham acted right here. He goes on saying, Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. Verse 2. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. I saw a movie concerning Abraham and Isaac. And in that movie, at this point, when God spoke to Abraham, it showed Abraham taking a fit. And I mean, just, you know, throwing himself around. Always, why am I and that's nothing. It does not show how Abraham acted at all. He did not do that. Don't let television, you know, give you a wrong conception of the faith of Abraham. He didn't act that way. He didn't say that, whoa, what am I going to do now? He's going to kill him. He wants me to kill my son. You have to realize that God has already spoken to Abraham and said, Abraham, in Isaac shall thy seed be called and blessed. Abraham, he said, Isaac is going to have children. I'm telling you as sure as you're going to have Isaac that Isaac is going to have children. That's what he told him. Abraham heard it. I want to remind you of something else. God didn't speak to them like he speaks to us today. When God spoke to Abraham, it was, Hey, Abraham! Yes, Lord. Hey, Noah! Yeah. He couldn't speak to their spirit. He had to speak to their ears, see? You follow me? See, today people doubt whether or not God spoke to them because they don't get quiet before the Lord long enough to discern His voice. We've got to hear by the Spirit. But their spirits were not regenerated. They were not born again. I want you to know that God spoke either by an angel or an audible voice and made sure that his ears were full of this. Abraham, Isaac, is going to have kids. Abraham knew that. He knew that beyond the shadow of a doubt that Isaac had to have kids or God lied. And he knew that God couldn't lie. You follow me? Okay. So when the proving of his faith comes, the proving of his faithfulness to God, here's what happens. He tells them to take him up to Mount Moriah and offer his son up there as an offering to the Lord. Well, here's what he goes on saying. Now remember, if his faith has corresponding actions then, and he loves God with all his heart, then he's going to act upon what God told him to do, knowing that God had to act upon his word and hold his word true no matter what happened. To Isaac. And he's already told him that you're going to have kids. Isaac's going to have kids. And it's in his seed shall all the people be blessed. Okay. Next verse. Abraham rose up early in the morning. He settled his ass and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son. And claved the wood for the burnt offering. And rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said. Underline that. And Abraham said. Faith deals with what you believe in your heart and with what you say with your mouth. Abraham, we're going to watch his words. We're going to listen to his words. Those words will either be words of fear, doubt, and unbelief, or they will be words of faith and love. Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, 
And I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. I and the lad will go worship on the mountain and we both will come again unto you. Now, the words that he spoke had to be words of faith because God told him to go up to the mountain and kill Isaac and offer him up as a sacrifice. Well, how in the world could he go up there, offer him as a burnt sacrifice, and say, I and the lad will become, be coming back to you unless he actually believed something out of his heart that was contrary to what God told even God told him to do. You know, the devil tells you to do things contrary to God's Word. In this instance, God told him to do something that was contrary to his true desire for Abraham and Isaac. You follow me? God told him to do something that he didn't want to happen. He didn't want him dead. He didn't want him as a sacrifice, as a, that kind of a sacrifice. He wanted the faithfulness of Abraham. Before I finish this, let's hold your place there. You need to hold your place there. If faith works out of the heart and works by love, then it means that in the heart you have to believe something. And that belief has got to come out of your mouth no matter what the circumstances are around you. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter. And verse, well, let's look at verse 17. Okay, 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. The word tried is the same word. Same translation. Okay? Verse 18. Of whom it was said, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Verse 19 tells you what Abraham believed before God told him to go and offer up Isaac upon the altar. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham believed the word that God spoke when he said, Isaac will bear children. You will have children. You'll have seed through Isaac. He believed that before God told him to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. He believed that for a long period of time. Now remember, there's a confession of faith, but there's also a confession unto faith. Someone says, well, Abraham didn't walk around saying, you know, by faith, that I'm going to have Isaac have children and all that. No, he didn't have time to do that. But God, through his wisdom, when he changed their names, Abraham and Sarah, caused them to speak to each other and call each other the father of many nations and the mother of many. When they had no children. God did this in their lives for some 20-some-odd 20 20 years before Isaac was even born. And in this turn of time... They were saying to each other, Father of many nations, mother of many, father of many, mother of many, father, mother, father, mother, father, mother. Every time they called each other by name, 
they realized that they were the parents of many nations. Finally, God slipped in on them that it would be through that son, the seed, that those people would be blessed through those many nations for 20-some-odd years. You tell that to somebody for 20-some-odd years, and you have started a cycle in their spirit. That spirit began to get so filled with the thought, with the words, with the faith of the fact that through their son, many would be blessed. You follow me? God instilled that into their spirits, and even though the spirit was unregenerate, God, by his wisdom, knew that the spirit would take upon the cycle that he fed into it. And so the word that he spoke into it caused his spirit man to receive all that and begin to act accordingly. It began to cause him to think that way. He began to say it. He began to see himself that way. He began then to speak that way as time went on. Finally, when the birth of Isaac came, he saw him. He knew it. It's true. Even though all the circumstances around him said it could not be, it was so. God performed his word and the child was born. All that time to bring forth this child, Isaac, so all the nations could be blessed. And now the word comes and says, Abraham, kill him. Take him up on the mountain and kill him. Offer him up as a burnt offering. He said, glory to God, that's nothing. You told me that, that, it was, that he has to have kids. Either you're a liar, you don't know what you're doing, or your operation is, is, is all, you know, wrong. Otherwise, you have to do this. And this is what he said. Hebrews, that, that, that 19th verse. He said, you've got to raise him up from the dead. Even though I've never seen anybody raise up from the dead, you spoke to me and said that it was through Isaac that all this blessing would come. Through his seed. Of course, meaning Jesus. And I know that if I kill him with the knife, you've got to raise him up from the dead. What does it say there? He knew, accounting, that God was able to raise him from the dead. Look at the next part. From whence he received him already in a figure. He went up there seeing him being raised from the dead. He received him in a figure as being raised from the dead. If I kill him, God's got to raise him up from the dead. Otherwise, God becomes a liar. And if God becomes a liar, you might as well just throw the whole thing away. Throw the Bible away, throw everything away. Now, faith was working out of his heart. That's what he believed. He believed that even if he killed his son Isaac, God had to raise him from the dead because God has already spoken his word. His word is out that in Isaac shall the people be blessed. Okay, let's go on and read this. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. Go back to Genesis. I'm sorry here. Genesis 22, verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham. Now listen, it's very important. I told you, it's the heart and the words. The heart and the words. Were Abraham's words words of faith? Let's find out. Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, first of all, notice that Abraham never said a word to, 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 about this to Isaac at all. Not a word. You know where faith works best? When it's between you and God. And you don't go 
you know, speaking it out to everybody else and telling God what you're believing for, what God's going to do, what God's not going to do. Don't do it. You keep your faith between you. He knew that God had to raise him from the dead because his spirit man was so programmed to believing that Isaac had to have a child before he died. Okay? He said, here's what he said. Verse 8. And Abraham said, now that's his words. We're dealing with the heart. We're dealing with the mouth. Here's his words. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they both went, both of them together. That's all he said. Does that sound like a man who's thinking he's going to lose his son? His words were faith words. If Isaac is the offering, then you've got to raise him from the dead. God will provide himself. That's very prophetic. What he was saying here was that God will provide himself. God will be the offering. Jesus was the Son of God. He was the burnt offering for our sins. But look at the faith of Abraham. Okay? A lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar. These are the actions of Abraham. Not only did he believe what God said, even though the contradictory circumstances said to do something else, and even though it came by God, he knew that God had to raise him from the dead. Now his actions are corresponding to what he believes in his heart. People have faith, but they don't have corresponding actions. They say it, but they do not correspond to what they're saying by their actions, by their believing in their heart. But not Abraham. Abraham is having corresponding actions. And James, according to Moffat's translation there, said, it was by his actions that corresponding with his faith was his faith perfected. Now here's his actions. He takes him up on the altar. He lays he binds him up, lays him down there. He's ready to kill him. In verse 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. You talk about acting on what you believe. Here's what he believed. If this knife goes through that heart, he dies. And I burn him at this, right here as an offering. He's nothing but ashes left. I'll stand back. And God has got to raise him back to life until he has children. Or God becomes a liar. He's already received him in that figure already. He accounted that God was able to do something that he knew nothing of. I doubt that Abraham ever saw anybody raise him the dead before. I don't see anywhere in the Old Testament where he witnessed somebody being raised from the dead. He may have, I don't know. It doesn't say it. Not to my knowledge, anyhow. If you find out any different, you let me know. But here he is. Someone said it like this. Faith is like standing on the edge of the diving board, starting your spring up and down, and getting ready to dive into the pool below, and then finally, diving off the board, having believed, that when you, before you hit the bottom, God will fill it with water. <laughs> Having believed that before you hit the bottom, God will fill it with water. Well, there is no action, there is no faith. You can say that God will fill it with water all you want. But the person that believes it, he'll get up there. Now, I'm not telling anybody to do this, please. <laughs> Don't take me wrong. What I'm saying is this is what one person said about faith. Faith is it, it's a very good you know, example of faith. Faith is like standing on that diving board ready to dive into the, into the pool with no water in it. But God said 
God said, I will fill that pool with water before you hit bottom. Now, if you believe God, even though there's no water in it when you die, off that board, if you believe God and God cannot lie, you have the full assurance that when you dive off that, that it has to be full of water or God lies. You see what I'm saying? It has to be filled with water or God lies. You don't have a chapter or verse for that, so don't go off and try it, okay? There's nothing in the Bible that says you can do that. You can walk on the water, but you can't dive into a pool without water. But he's given an explanation of how faith works. Here's what actually what he did. God said that through Isaac, you have to have, you have, to have kids, children. So, even though he said that I have to kill him, I'm, he's right there. He's ready to dive off that board. There's no water beneath. He takes up that knife. He's ready to stab him right through the heart. Burn him right there where he's at. In the tournament ashes. And stand back and say, Go ahead. It's your part. You've got to raise him up from the dead and put every piece back together. Now, let's go on and see what happens. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou that thou hast not withheld thine son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. And it is said to this day, In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, Oh, when you act upon the word of God, when you really do believe God, when you do step out into faith, look what he said. By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned up, returned unto his young men, and they rose up and went together to Beersheba, and Abraham dwelt at Beersheba. Note something here. Abraham said two things on the way up to the mountain. That's all that we have recorded that he said. Number one, I and the lad will go up yonder in worship and will come unto you again. Number two, God will provide himself a sacrifice. If you believe in your heart and say it with your mouth, thou shalt have whatsoever thy say. Abraham received two things. That last verse says, and he and the lad went back to the young men that were waiting. That's what he said. And they did. Number two, the Lord did provide himself a sacrifice, a ram, as a burnt offering. That's what he said. That's what he got. That's what he spoke. That's what he got. Even though those circumstances were the darkest circumstances, can you imagine anybody being told to offer up your only son that you waited a hundred years to have? Faith, beloved, is taking God's word and its integrity and just trusting your life to its provisions. Even though the earth be removed from beneath thee, as it was in the case here, but you are so assured in your heart that what God spoke is law, 
I don't care if I kill him. Father, you've got to raise him from the dead. And then you carry out your act by doing exactly what he said to do. God has never told us to do anything like that. You know all he's ever told us to do? When you're attacked by the enemy, just believe you receive your answered prayer and you shall have it. Just resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Just stand upon my word and use my name and he'll go. That's all he's asked to do. Is that too hard? Is it too hard to believe some of the things he's told us to do when this man Abraham had his faith perfected by the actions that corresponded to his faith by actually attempting and almost coming very close to killing his only son Isaac? God will know that you believe his word when you act on his word. So hearing the word builds a capacity for faith, but acting on the word causes faith to grow. People are sitting and hearing the word and their capacity to, to have faith is being enlarged. But that capacity is not being filled and not, it's not growing because people are not acting on the word. They say they believe the word, but don't act on the word. See, that's a mental center to the word. That's not somebody who's acting on the word. This man acted on the word. Now, he's not the only one that's recorded uh, as acting on the word like this. You remember uh, Rahab the harlot? She did the same thing in her experience when the uh, spies came to spy out the land of Canaan. And uh, over there, the walls of Jericho came coming down. And when, when the spies came to stay at her inn, she was an innkeeper, a harlot. Harlot in those days, they're an innkeeper. Most likely. Most of them. And when they came in, they rented a room off of her to stay as they spied out the land. See, James said, after he said Abraham was a man whose faith had actions, corresponding actions, he also went on to say that Rahab the harlot had the same corresponding actions that lined up with her faith. Here's a woman who's considered to be a heathen. Here's a woman living in a land with all these other heathens, knowing that when, when God delivered Israel from the Egyptian bondage, they were coming to take over their land. And when the two men came to spy out the land, she hid them, as you know, in her house. She hid them on top of the roof. She let them down, led them to go free. But she said to those that came to seek out the men, actually she told a lie. I don't know where they're at. They must have gone and take out, taken off the back way. You better run out there and get them so that you can, you know, save them, deliver, or get them and, and kill them. But she was hiding them up in her loft somewhere. And finally she told them when, when they came down, we know that God, the God you serve, is the God of all the earth. We heard about he dried up the Red Sea for you. We, this is what she's saying. This is what she's believing. This woman's believing this. We saw, we heard what you did when you came across out of Egypt and you destroyed the kings. Ogan Basin. Well, remember that. And everybody's heart melted within us. Our courage departed from us and left us. We realized it, that you're coming. Nobody could withstand the God that you serve. He is God. That she knew that. She says, all I'm asking from you, I've saved your life. See, they could have been killed if she had squealed on them. All I'm asking from you, I know that you have power with your God. I'm a, and she's interceding for her whole family. The woman was not selfish. She said, me, my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and our kin, I'm asking you that you save us when you come over to take the land and the walls of Jericho come coming down. When you come to take the land, I'm asking you, to save us. Well, the spy said to her, 
when we come, you make sure that you, your mother, your father, your brothers, your sisters, and all your family is under one roof. You put that scarlet rope in the window. And you leave it there. If anybody leaves this place, they'll die. And their blood will be on their own hands. If anybody in this household with that scarlet rope there dies, their blood will be on our hands, for we're making the covenant right now. They're making a covenant with a harlot. Because she knew and believed in the Almighty God. She believed. Can you imagine living in that country and believing that and knowing that to the degree that you begin to act on what you believe? She did it. Can you imagine having faith to believe that when they came to destroy all the, all the land, that only one family would be spared, would be saved, if they stayed there and didn't run away? That took faith. Because fear would cause you to run and leave, to get out, to be protected. Well, when they came over to take the land, you know the story. And the power of God, the angels of God working together, caused all the walls to come tumbling down. And everybody there was destroyed and killed. One family stood alive because of one woman had faith to believe in God, even though she was a heathen woman. She believed in the power of God. She believed the God that was working on their side was far greater than the gods that they served in their land. Now think about that. Her faith with corresponding actions saved her life and the life of all her family because of what she believed. She was not selfish. She acted in love. It wasn't just for herself. It was for all the family. She acted in love. Faith and corresponding actions working together caused God to protect their lives. So faith works by love. Faith works with corresponding actions. And your corresponding actions have got to line up with what you believe. Your corresponding actions will be in what you speak and what you do. What you speak and what you do. The force of love will be coming out of your heart, out of what you believe. What you believe about God. What you believe in your heart about what God will do for you. What you believe in your heart, what God will do through you. What you believe, that's all involved in the heart. In your heart. Now, people today don't believe anything about God. They don't believe enough about God. People today believe that God wants them to be sick. People today believe that God wants calamities to happen in their life to teach them a lesson. They believe this about God. They believe it in their heart. So they say it with their mouth. So that's exactly what they get. But did you notice that Abraham said, even though God spoke to him and said that, Abraham said that God, God has to raise, raise him from the dead if I kill him? That's what he believed and that's what he said. Even though God told him to kill him. He says, I know you've got to raise him up from the dead. Even though Rahab had no guarantee no guarantee but the word. And if you go back and read that in, in, in uh, the book of Joshua, she says, I will hold you to your words. The words that you spoke, those words are our agreement. The words that you spoke, I believe in. She believed in those words, the words that were spoken. Now, God has spoken unto us by his word. He's told us by his word, in his word, that you and I, are born of his love. That means we have the love nature within us. He told us that you and I have the ability of Jesus Christ. We have the ability of his faith, creative ability through his word, to speak his word, to act upon his word, so that the circumstances around our own lives could be destroyed. We've got the same power 
We've got the same ability. You say, if we've got the same power, if we've got the same ability, if we've got the same word, if we've got the same God, why is it that people in the United States of America that hear the word of God day in and day out and day in and day out, why is it that they're so defeated in life? Well, some people think that the people in the United States of America are heathen people. But you mark down this saying, there's not one heathen person in the United States of America. The only people you have in the United States of America, my friends, are Christ rejectors. I said the only people you have in the United States of America are Christ rejectors, not heathen. Heathen people never heard of Jesus. Heathen people worship their false gods because they know no better. But yet people on, in this United States of America, you've got a church on every single corner. Everywhere you turn, there's a Bible in almost every house that you see. And if not, they can easily get one at any bookstore around. There's the Word of God. There's a Bible. There's a church. Anywhere they want to go and hear about Jesus and God and the Word of God. It's all here. They're not heathen people. They're Christ rejectors. They don't want Christ. They don't want to live for him. They don't want his love. They don't want his freedom. They don't want his liberty. They don't want his victory. They don't want his resurrection power. All they want to do is be complacent in who they are and live their own life. Listen to me. There are people out there around this world. You know why Jesus said go to the world Go to the world and preach the gospel? Because those are the ones that never heard it. We're batting our heads, banging our heads against the wall, trying to get this gospel message out to tell people about Jesus. You've got people out there that are hungry to hear the word of God and be delivered and set free by his almighty power. We've got people over here you can't even tell them about the word. You can't show them a scripture because they've got their own doctrine, their own religion. We are fighting something far greater in this country than they're fighting over there in those countries. If you got your bags packed and went over to South Africa, over Africa, over to the Philippine Islands, and you went into some city or village that never heard the Word of God, you went in there and spoke the living Word of God, you would see blind eyes open and deaf ears unstopped and people raised from the dead, and the glory and the power of God be displayed in full power of Jesus' resurrection. You try to take that same power over here in this land, people's spirits have been so brainwashed, turned around, with false religion and doctrine and teaching, they've been told so often that God is the cause of your problems. God doesn't want to heal you. God is not doing this for you and that for you and blah, blah, blah. They're so filled with that, beloved, that the job of the pastor and the teacher in this country is far greater. You have got to take everything that they've ever learned out of them and renew their mind and put the truth into them. And that process is twice as hard than going to a foreign land and saying, Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to heal you. Stand up and be whole and be saved, and instantly it's done. I could prove that to you. Many, many times I've read the writings of T.L. Osborne, and he said, by his own words of his own mouth, he said, when asked, what caused you to have such great success in the, in the country that you go to? He says this, if I go to a country or to a land, and the people in that land had never heard the gospel. He said, I can lead them all to salvation and healing with no problem. I won't even lay hands on them or touch them. I'll just say, Jesus is your Savior. Jesus is your healer. But I won't ask you to believe in somebody that you won't see. That you can't see. So, be healed in Jesus' name. Touch your place, your body where you hurt. And Jesus will heal you. He says, and instantly they're healed. They're delivered. Set free. And they all accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. 
But if I go to the same country, he said, and do another village, and that village had people there, that, that missionaries there before me, that taught them the Bible, and did not teach them that Jesus wants to heal them also, he says, I have no success in getting these people healed. Same man, same message. He says, their spirits are clouded up with doubt and unbelief. I can't get the truth to their, their hearts, their spirits. Hear me. The heart, the mouth. Your heart is a delicate thing. Your spirit is a delicate person. That spirit has got to be constantly filled with faith in God's Word. Because we live in an atmosphere, my beloved friends, that ruling religious spirits around us have clouded up the minds of people with doubt and unbelief. There's a wave of it around here. But over there, as I said, all they're doing is living in darkness. And when you go in with the light of God's Word, the light is so far greater than the darkness that it just... Over here, it seems like we're living in the gray area. People on, you know, one side of the, or one side of the street or the other. Their minds are just unrenewed. They don't know the Word of God. They've been all indoctrinated with false teaching and wrong teachings and etc., etc. If you told somebody, like what happened to Abraham, if you told them that you can believe God to raise up your child from the dead, if God told you to do the same thing Abraham did, they'd just laugh at you. Because they don't understand the Word of God. They don't understand the truth of God's Word. They have no faith. Our spirits are so deprogrammed. Bless God, it's time that we start to get the Word in our spirits. It's time that we start to just go all the way out for Jesus. It's time we start to set our affections on the things that are above and turn away from the things that be beneath. It's time that we that have got the Word of God, and God holds us responsible, my friends. We're held responsible. We've got too much light. We've got too much power, too much glory. We hear too much Word. Not to go out and do the things that Jesus told us to do in this, this generation. But you see, we're confronted with and dealing with the people whose minds have been taken captive by the devil. That's exactly what we're dealing with. But blessed be God, I believe that in this generation, the light is being made manifest in such a great dimension and in display of God's eternal power. Not only in this place, but all around us. I believe that there are those in other lands that are coming to this United States of America, holding teaching seminars and everything, that are showing people in this United States of America what the true God is really like. They come from foreign countries. Believing God for everything. Walking on the water. Raising up the dead. Everybody being delivered. Everybody being saved. They come over here and they find everybody not living like they should for Jesus. Are you a people that's going to live all the way for Jesus? Are we a people to where God has turned around? He's not putting our light out. He's causing our light to grow brighter. Right now. Listen to me. It's time to stop hearing. Only. And start doing being the doer of the Word. Being a doer, an actor on the Word. You have the guarantee. I'll close with this scripture. You have a guarantee by God in Matthew 7. Matthew 7. Jesus said in 24 through 27. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Jesus said, Therefore, whosoever... Heareth these things of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man. Wise man. A wise man. Who is a wise man and doeth knowledge among you? Who is the wise man? We talk about the wise man and the foolish man. Here's the wise man. This man, Matthew 7, 24, which built his house upon a rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, 
and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. That's the doer of the word. But the hearer of the word, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, no corresponding actions. You say it, but you don't do it. You say it, but you don't do it. You keep saying it, but you don't do it. You keep saying it, but you don't do it. You keep saying it, but you don't do it. Your heart becomes more hardened. Your heart becomes more hard. You keep saying it, but you don't do it. You keep repenting and saying it, but you don't do it. You keep saying it and saying it, but you don't do it. I'm going to do it someday. That's the hoper. He's never going to get it done. This person is a foolish man. He doeth them not. He shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. I don't even want to begin to know how great that fall was. I don't even want to begin to know. He's not talking about a non-believer. He's talking about two believers. Two believers. Both heard the word. Both received faith, because faith came up by hearing, hearing by the word of God. One was wise, one was foolish. If anybody is a wise man in this realm, you better become a fool in this realm so you can become wise in the things of God. How hard is it, it is for a, a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God because the rich man trusts in all his riches. That's what he's saying. He does not believe in the power of God to heal their soul because he can find the finest medical help there is. He does not believe God for, you know, his finances because he's got all the money that he needs. He does not believe God to do this and to do that and supply his need. He's getting it all by the money that he has. Don't be deceived by these things. It's time that the body of Christ got a hold of the power of God got hold of that glorious power of God and trusted its provision in, in all your your life to its provision. Everything that you do in thought, word, and deed, and everything you need provided for in this life, it's time we got wise to the things of the power of God because God's power is available so that we can have all these needs met in our life. Every single one of them. It's time we realize that. If Abraham, my beloved friends, could go to the extreme, you talk about extremism, you talk about a fanatical person, this guy believed God's word in such a dimension that we've never even thought of. He would actually kill his son, knowing God must raise him from the dead. What is it that I could pray and believe God to heal my child, even on a deathbed, and turn and walk away and say, with his stripes she's healed? And you say, what if she dies? Just like Abraham, God lied. That's faith. That's how faith works. You have so built God's word, love, and life into your inner man. You know him so well that you don't become a hearer of the word only. You act upon that word in the darkest of situations and circumstances. You stand before the gates of hell. You look them eye to eye and you declare that Jesus is Lord in the midst of all your trouble. I'll not take a back seat to darkness ever again. I will stand for the light. I will hold forth the word of life. That's faith. I said, that's faith. And if you keep waiting to use faith, beloved, you're going to lose faith. You notice all these, throughout the book of Acts, all these people that ever got their deliverance were people that were non-believers. Philip went down to the city of Samaria where the heathen were, and many of them were delivered and healed, and then accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and were baptized. Many brought their sick into the streets before the shadow of Peter that were Jews and non-believers and healed them all, and the Lord added to the church that day 5,000. They were non-believers. I don't care how dark your circumstance is right now. You're not, you're not a non-believer. You are a believer. 
I want you to know that God has given you a word for every one of your circumstances. It's time we act on the word. If you want a mate in your life, it's time you stand fast for what you believe God has for you and just take a hold of God's word and declare it so in your life. If you have a need of healing in your body, it's time that you stand upon God's word and I'll tell you what, you have to... Well, let's put them the way Brother, hey, uh, Brother Kenyon said it. Brother Kenyon said it like this. If you are believing God for a healing and all you have is hope, just hope, the undertaker has a job to do. The undertaker has a job to do. Because you're a hearer of the word and not a doer. When the guy got off the diving board, he didn't have another frame of reference. He didn't have the firemen holding out their net to catch him. When he got off the diving board, it was either death or salvation. When you get off the diving board and you get off into the spirit and you stand upon the word of God, either I die or he heals me. I don't like to be so blunt, my friends, but that's just how faith works. Isaac, either you're dead or God who raises you from the dead. If God said it, I believe it, that's settled. That's what faith is. You take God's word. You start speaking it, that one word that's for your situation. If it's, if it's for the healing of your marriage, if it's for the healing of your body, if, if it's for the renewal of your mind, if no matter what it might be, you take God's word and you begin to speak it and meditate it until faith comes. You take that faith when it comes inside your heart. You know that 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 God spoke it in his word and it's now in your heart. Then you act upon that word in such a manner that if God fails you, God becomes a liar. And I don't care what it means to step out there. When you get off that diving board, either God lies or that pool is full. It doesn't work on the diving board. It works in the air. It doesn't work in the boat. It works on the sea. Out of the boat. Actions. That's how faith works. That's how faith works. Thank you for listening to our Legacy Teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.